0: Hey everyone, this is Annan Bergman, Founder and CEO of IRA Financial. Welcome to another episode of Ad Bits, where I will be sharing bits of knowledge about self-directed retirement. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Adbits. On today's Adbits, I'm going to be discussing some helpful tips using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate. So I'm going to jump right into this uh, interesting um, episode because this is a very, very popular topic. So we got a lot to chat about because real estate is by far the most popular investment for self-directed IRA investors. And I get a lot of questions each week. From all types of self directed retirement clients about some helpful tips to keep in mind when looking to use a self directed IRA to buy real estate. So, I'm not going to get into what a self directed IRA is or what a self directed IRA for real estate is or kind of the difference between checkbook control and full service. You can check out my other ad bit, other podcasts on those specific uh, topics, and, and you can get some very detailed information on this so i'm going to dive right into if you have a self-directed ira and are looking to buy real estate what are some things you need to keep in mind so number one is you got to right away be thinking first thing is do your diligence right do you know anything about this real estate do you know where it's located who are you dealing with are you dealing directly with the seller are you invested in a fund are you dealing with a partner So the first thing I always tell my clients is don't worry about the IRA side. I'll I'll help you with that, that's secondary. First is make sure it's a good investment for you, right? You worked hard for your money, this is your hard earned retirement money, you've decided to self-direct and diversify and take more control of your retirement future, so you don't wanna squander your investment. So do your diligence, whether it's online, whether you're able to drive and check out the property, Make sure you understand the terms of the deal, what you're going to need to come up with in cash, uh, what your potential exit strategy is, what valuations are uh, in that segment of the real estate marketplace, what is your fallback in case you're not able to sell it or rent it out, how much money you're going to need for taxes, how much money you're going to need for improvements, how much money you're going to need for repairs, what's the upkeep, what about management costs. So, you're going to need to start and very and, and do a complete exercise to determine what this investment entails in terms of a financial investment. I think that's the most important thing. Take your time, do your diligence, and ultimately that time you spent is going to be well worth it, uh, whether it's on an exit or just on an annual cash flow from the investment. So I've been doing this 11 plus years. I've helped You know, tens of thousands of clients use their retirement funds to make alternative asset investments. And I can tell you the ones that are successful are the ones that are investing in assets they know and trust. So these are people that understand real estate. And then people that do their research, they do their diligence, they do their homework. They understand the financial terms of the deal. If they're investing in a fund, they understand how the fund works. They've done their research on the fund's management. If you're investing in with a uh, general partner, a contractor, someone you're going to do a joint venture with, do your diligence on that person. What's the person's track record? Um, Check out their background, criminal background. What have they done in the past? Ask for referrals uh, and do your homework. Because sometimes uh, the biggest risk is is who you invest with. There's less risk. If you're going to buy the real estate directly from the seller, Clearly, you know, you're going to own the hard asset, you're going to have title to it. But when you're investing with someone else, there's obviously a risk, especially if that other person's controlling the investment, whether they're dealing with the um, purchase of the uh, improvement um, products, or they're the ones actually building the property, there's obviously a lot more risk uh, than if you are transacting directly with the seller. So just Be careful. Before we kind of dive into prohibited transactions and UBTI, the first thing is do your homework. Make sure it's a good investment for you. Understand the financial terms, and then you can decide, you know, how to go about making the offer. Um, Once you decide this is a good investment, you should right away be thinking prohibited transaction. Am I related to the buyer, right? If uh, the seller, excuse me, if the seller is a lineal descendant, parent, child, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, or if the seller is an entity you control, you should stop right there. That's probably gonna be a privative transaction and you should go no further than that because privative transactions will blow up your IRA and cause tax and, and penalties that can go as high as 100%. So, privative transactions are key. You, keep, you need to keep in mind that when you're making the IRA investment, The investment needs to be made to 100% exclusively benefit your IRA. In no way could this IRA investment be done in in any fashion to directly or indirectly benefit you or another disqualified person, a lineal descendant or any entity you control. So clearly if the seller is unrelated to you, third party, and you're not going to live in it and you're not going to rent it out to any family member, you're not going to really have to worry much about transactions. So once you've decided it's a good deal, you've done your diligence, you look on who's on the, across the table. Is the seller related to you? Or are you going to rent it out to yourself or another person? That's a disqualified person. The answer to those questions are no. Then you can move on to the next question, which is, how am I paying for this? If you're using all cash in your IRA, great. If you need to borrow money, you need to make sure that the loan is a non-recourse loan. A non-recourse loan is a loan you do not personally guarantee. Why? Because Internal Revenue Code Section 4975 is clear that you cannot personally guarantee an obligation of your IRA. So that would trigger a prohibited transaction, which is why you need a non-recourse loan. Now, a non-recourse loan will require you to probably put down at least 35 40% in equity. So if the property is $100,000, you're going to need to come up with at least $35,000 of IRA funds to make the deal happen. I know there's a number of very good non-recourse lenders. You can start with a local bank. If that doesn't work, um, there's non-recourse lenders you could contact who specialize in these types of financing arrangements who deal directly with IRA investors looking to use non-recourse financing. You have to also expect that you're going to pay a little bit of an increased interest rate compared to if you took a regular mortgage. Why? Because the bank is taking greater risk, right? Because you are not able to personally guarantee the obligation of your IRA. Hence, it's a non-recourse loan. Therefore, the lender's only recourse, if there is a failure in payment, is to actually take back the property. The lender would not be able to go after you personally or your personal assets. And thus, that is why you'll pay a higher interest rate on that loan because the lender is taking a greater risk. And that's why the lender by the same token, will require you to put down a little bit more equity than a traditional mortgage. So again, you've done your research. It's a good deal. You've looked at the prohibitive transaction rules. There's no disqualified people. The IRA is exclusively benefiting from this investment, and you're only doing this investment to exclusively benefit your IRA. Thirdly, if you're using leverage, you're making sure it's a non-recourse loan, and you're making sure that you understand uh, what comes with a non-recourse loan, such as higher equity down and potentially higher interest rate. Now, one other thing I want to mention, if you are using a non-recourse loan, there's an ugly four-letter word that you're going to have to get to know, and that's called UBIT or UBTI, also known as unrelated business taxable income. And that four-letter word is a tax imposed on the debt finance portion of the income from the investment. Okay, and this is a tax that actually was meant to apply to charities like the Red Cross, but unfortunately, since IRAs and Formal ks are treated as 501 trusts, they've somehow fallen under the UBTI regime. Um, not sure if that was the intent of the rule, but the way it worked out when ERISA and IRAs were created um, is that they are treated as 501 trusts and thus they are subject to the UBTI rules. So what that means, if you are able and are willing to get a non-recourse loan with your IRA, you're going to have to consider the application of the UBTI tax, which could be quite distasteful and, and quite untax friendly. So for example, if you put down $50,000 of IRA cash and you borrow $50,000 from a non-recourse lender, you have a debt to equity ratio of 50-50. So let's assume for example purposes that the property generates a net net return of $10,000 after depreciation and other expenses. That means $5,000 of that $10,000 equal to the 50% of debt used would be subject to the UBTI tax, which could go as high as 37%. Yes, you wouldn't reach that threshold at $5,000, but you would reach it at around 18 to 20,000. So it's a very low threshold to reach once the highest Trust tax rate, which is what the UBTI tax follows, kicks in. So it's you know, very unappetizing and, and very unfriendly from a tax standpoint. So you need to be cautious about it. Yes, you're able to take into account a pro rata share of deductions, such as depreciation or expenses or debt financing expenses, to reduce the impact of the UBTI tax. So that's good. You also can use losses from prior years from your investment to offset future income. If you are subject to the UBTI regime and have more than a thousand dollars of income, net income from the investment, you're going to have to file a 990-T tax form. And that's where you will report the UBTI to the IRS. If there's losses or less than a thousand dollars, then there's no forms to report because there's no UBTI tax. So Um, That's something you just got to keep in mind. It's very important. Um, It's not a prohibited transaction issue. So you're not going to get your IRA blown up or disqualified. But it is a tax issue because you still need to file the 990T. If you don't file it, there could be penalties and interest for failure to file. Um, And obviously, it's a tax imposed on the debt finance portion of the investment return. So it's very unappetizing from a tax standpoint and something that you really need to think about if you are interested in using a non-recourse loan in the IRA setting to buy real estate. Now, something to keep in mind is there is actually an exemption for 401k's who use a non-recourse loan for real estate acquisition. So, if you are self-employed, the option is you can get into a solo K. If you have a self-employed business, it could be a sole proprietor, LLC, corporation, S Corp, and you have no full-time employees other than yourself, other business partners or spouses, then you can set up a solo 401k instead of an IRA, use a non-recourse loan. The loan still has to be non-recourse, but you can escape the UBTI tax because there's an exemption under 514c9 of the code that allows a 401k to use non-recourse loans for real estate acquisition indebtedness without triggering the UBTI tax rules. Now, unfortunately, that exemption does not apply to IRAs, which is unfortunate, um, but just the way the code was drafted. So be cautious if you're using an IRA and you're using non-recourse financing. You need to think about UBTI. How do you get around it? Well, the one way is you can set up a C-Corp locker. So a C-Corp, is think of it as a big box and it boxes in all the corporate income. So none of that income flows through to the owners and thus any of the application of the UBTI tax would stay in the corporation. Now, since the corporation pays tax at a corporate tax rate of 21% in 2020, there is no UBTI tax. And that is why if you buy stock like Johnson & Johnson or Apple or Tesla or Google, you're not gonna have to deal with UBTI. And that's why most investors have never heard of UBTI because most investors invest their IRA or 401k in stocks or mutual funds or ETFs. And in almost all cases the UBTI tax would not apply. So if you are bent on doing a non-recourse deal for real estate, then you may want to think about that C Corp blocker, although it will impose a 21% tax on all the income, net income from the uh, investment, whereas the UBTI tax will just be applied on the debt finance portion, the percentage. So if you use 20% debt, you know, paying the UBTI tax may not be as bad as actually paying 21% tax on 100% of the net profit. So again, something you should consider, work out with your tax professional, or if, you know, if you're a client of IRA financial, this is the kind of services we'll, we'll provide and, and go through the scenarios with you. So again, just to back up, first thing, do your diligence, know what you're buying, what the f- financial terms are, what your exit strategy is, who you're investing with. Once you've done that and are comfortable, then you go to the prohibitive transaction analysis, make sure uh, there's no disqualified people on the other side of the table, make sure that you, the investment is being done to 100% exclusively benefit the IRA. Um, and then the next uh, analysis level of analysis is debt. If you're using leverage as part of this real estate acquisition, make sure it has to be non-recourse loan, and then you need to start considering the tax impact of UBTI. Um, and then potentially, if you have the option, if you're self-employed with no full-time employees over 1,000 hours or 500 hours, three years in a row of non-owner employees, then you may be eligible for a solo okay, K, which is exempted from the UBTI tax on acquisition and deadness. So that's another option. And then these are some kind of tidbit tips that you should think about. Um, again, use, use IRA money, deposit, purchase price. You don't want to use personal money um, that could taint the transaction. So make sure you get the self-directed IRA structure set up early so you have everything in place so you can use your IRA funds to pay for the deposit and not personal money. If you need to come up with a deposit and the structure, it's not yet set up, you can always borrow from a non-disqualified person and then pay them back you know, with your IRA funds once everything's set up. All expenses, repairs, taxes incurred in connection with the investment should be paid by the actual investment entity. So if your IRA is investing in the LLC, the LLC should pay for all those expenses. If your IRA is the sole owner of the investment property, then the IRA needs to pay for those expenses. You can't use personal funds, okay? Again, if you need additional funds for improvements or to pay taxes or um, because uh, you're running short on funds, you want to use additional retirement money. You don't want to mix personal and retirement money in any real estate transaction. That potentially opens the door for the IRS to argue prohibited transaction and adds a lot of risk to your transaction. So I do not encourage anyone to mix IRA and personal funds in their transaction. It's much better to exclusively use IRA or exclusively use personal funds. And that goes um, to the same analysis um, for financing, it must be a non recourse loan. Don't want to personally lend the funds or have another disqualified person lend the funds to the property or the investment. You want to either use a third party bank um, or a non disqualified person. Anyone that is not a parent, child, spouse, daughter in law, son in law, or any entity controlled by you as the IRA owner. So it could be a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, neighbor, friend. Uh, Those are all good. Just can't be up and down the family tree. Um, And and that's important to remember. Um, And that really kind of goes towards partnering, right? If you're going to partner with someone else, make sure that other person is non-disqualified, whether it's a bank, whether it's a contractor, whether it's a money person. You don't want to be transacting with yourself personally or disqualified people that really opens the window um, just enough for the IRS to get into that transaction potentially and attack it. So remember that. Title of the real estate, if you're using an IRA directly, it needs to be titled in the name of the IRA. For example, IRA Financial Trust Company, custodian for the benefit of the Adam Bergman IRA. If you're using a checkbook LLC, you'll make title in the name of the LLC. So if the LLC is XYZ or ABC LLC, title will be an XYZ or ABC LLC. If it's a pass-through entity, all the income and gains from that property will flow through to the IRA and there will not be any federal income tax on, on any income or gains, right? And ultimately, just to make the point clear, that's why people want to use their IRA to buy real estate, right? They want to diversify, yes. They want to invest in assets they know and trust, yes. But they also want to defer all the income and gains from their investment and not pay tax. Or in the case of Roth, um, to actually eliminate any potential tax. So the tax treatment, the non-tax treatment, I should say, of any income or gains on a real estate IRA investment is really the main point. And one of the, the exciting reasons people use a self-directed IRA or a self-directed 401k to buy real estate is they want to defer or not pay any tax on the income or gains and not have to deal with uh, short-term or long-term capital gains, depreciation recapture, uh, ordinary income on rental income, things like that. Um, yes, on the flip side, you don't get losses, right? Or deductions. So if you buy the property for hundred grand, you throw a lot of money in there and there's depreciation deductions, expenses, those don't flow through to you personally, right? Because you don't own the investment, your IRA does, and your IRA doesn't pay tax. And, and that is the main reason why people like to buy real estate in the IRA is the tax efficiency of the investment. So just you know keep that in mind. Yes, you don't get the losses or the expenses, but on the flip side, you don't pay any of the income tax. Or in the case of Roth, you never will pay anything tax. So I think as a tax lawyer, I was always taught it's better to not pay tax than get deductions. Deductions only reduces your taxable income. Not paying tax or deferring the tax is your ultimate goal. Um, obviously, if the property turns out to be a horrible investment or a loss, um, that's not particularly um, tax advantageous in an IRA because you don't have the benefit of the deductions or losses. So just remember that. But ultimately, um, I would say, you know just taking a step back and just wanting to recap, um, remember, it's important to do your homework up front and then go down the set of analysis that I'm laying out for you. Is it Are there disqualified people? Make sure the IRA is exclusively benefiting. If there's leverage, think of UBTI. Uh, make sure you understand the application of the UBTI tax. Make sure you got enough cash in your IRA to t- cover all expenses, taxes. Make sure the property is being titled properly, either in the name of the IRA or the LLC. Um, make sure also that if you have other expenses, you're paying it with the IRA or the LLC. You're not commingling personal and retirement money. If you're going to do a joint venture, Make sure that you're doing it with a non-disqualified third party, whether it's a bank or a friend or neighbor. Uh, you don't want to be transacting with yourself. Uh, case law is clear that the IRS could argue prohibited transactions when there's a co-mingling of funds. So Just be super cautious. Keep good records, um, always helpful if, in the case of an audit. Yes, your bank account statements. Uh, We'll generally cover and show all the money going in and out of the account, which is super helpful, and ultimately what the IRS will look at in the case of an audit. But just keep good records. You shouldn't have too much um, record keeping responsibility since everything is done digitally through um, banking, whether it's wires or checks. That that will be pretty much your primary source for record keeping the custodian will keep track of all your IRS documentation. So you don't really have to worry about that. Um, Yes, some states, if you're using the IRA LLC, do have annual franchise fees or annual LLC filing fees that you need to uh, just be aware of. So just just be cautious of that. Work with your self-directed IRA provider who will give you guidance on any potential filing fees or franchise fees or um, local state taxes that have to be paid uh, as a result of using the LLC. Also, on the tax side, real estate is subject to local property taxes even though it's owned by an IRA. There will not be any federal income tax on any of the income or gains, assuming there's no UBTI tax, but there will be local taxes, i.e. property taxes or um, transfer taxes, things like that. And some states do have uh, a franchise fee like California or Texas if there's revenues over about 1.1 million. So. Overall, um, these are, I think, some of the key tips that you should keep in mind when doing a real estate investment. Um, Yeah, it should just be natural in your head, kind of just going through um, the process, just thinking clearly, Okay, um, I want to do this deal. There's no disqualified people here. If I'm using financing, I'm where UBTI. Is there an alternative? Can I use a blocker? Or instead of doing an investment, can I do a loan into the deal? Um, if I am going to deal with UBTI, what's the tax ramifications, how is titling, make sure you have this self-directed IRA set up early so you the deposit can be paid with IRA funds. You don't have to start mixing personal and retirement. Uh, make sure you have enough for taxes or other expenses or just a knife, a nice safety cushion in case You don't have a tenant for several months and need to come up with some cash to pay for expenses. So this is the kind of stuff that I think is important to be done up front. Do your homework. Do your diligence. Um, Take your time. Okay, The structure is quick. You can get things set up in seven, 10 days. So the structure is not going to stop you from getting a deal done. but. Make sure it's a good deal for your IRA. You've worked, obviously, very hard for all your IRA retirement money. This money is here for your future, not just your future, but your retirement, your family, your kids. So take pride in doing your diligence. Um, the work you do in the beginning will, I promise, help you at the end. I've seen it helping thousands of investors, the ones that are diligent they're careful that know what they're doing, are rushing into it, are researching the project, researching the parties involved, taking their time are the ones that generally benefit big time at the end. So I hope you found the the podcast interesting, uh, helpful. Um, it's important to kind of just go through um, succinctly the 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 process for buying real estate. It's it's very similar to doing it personal. The only difference is obviously are the primitive transaction rules application of UBTI um, and and the limitation on commingling, right? So if you're short of funds, you can't just go into your you can't just raid your your safe uh, or your your savings account or checking account. You need to go to a either your IRA or four hundred and one k funds, or you need to go to a non disqualified third party to do a joint venture to um, add more funds to your investment. So just keep those in mind. Um, real estate is the most popular investment for retirement account investors. It's a great way to diversify. It's a great way hedge against inflation, great way to generate steady cash flow and also take advantage of an appreciating asset. So it's a super attractive investment category. Uh, I believe if you follow these tips, you will become and you will be a very successful self-directed IRA investor. So thanks for listening. Uh, Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, Check out Ad Mail and Adam Talks, my two other podcasts, which I think you'll really enjoy. Thanks for all your support. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks again.